0: Well, here we are, friends, the third episode in the three-episode drop and episode number 74 of Talking Mopars. In this final episode of The Drop, we wrap up the little Bringing You Up to Speed miniseries and talk about the Mopar that I have been chasing for nearly six years and the one that I saved just in the nick of time. If you follow my social media, then you probably already know the Mopar, and if you followed this podcast since the early episodes, you probably wouldn't be too surprised finding out what Mopar I ended up buying, but it's still a fun story and I'm glad I get to tell it because for me, it's probably never going to get old. So without further ado, if you are a Mopar enthusiast, then you are in the right place. Don't go anywhere. You're tuned into the best Mopar enthusiast-driven podcast on planet Earth, and I'm your host, Chris Albrecht, better known as the Mopar Hunter, and this is Talking Mopars. You're listening to Talking Mopars with the Mopar Hunter, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Okay, so we left off on Friday with me striking a deal for this truck, but not just any truck. This was the tin grill that sparked my interest In tin grills in the first place back in 2015 when I first started the Mopar Hunter and long before Talking Mopars even existed. So let's take it back to the beginning of the podcast where I actually talked about the truck during episode 8 which was actually an episode about my old truck which I called the Lopar and its story of how I came to own it. So let's check out this clip from episode 8 of me talking about this tin grill that basically sparked and inspired This little obsession I've had with them ever since. And after the clip, we'll pick up where episode 8 left off and then talk our way to present day. So here is the clip from episode 8. I call 1972 to 1980 Dodge Trucks Tin Grills. It's the affectionate name that was coined by my friend Paul for these trucks. And I've always liked them, but I never actually considered buying one for a project until I saw one at a car show that changed my mind entirely. It was the same month that I started the Mopar Hunter Facebook page, and I was at a good guy's car show in Puyallup, Washington, when I saw a tin grill that really inspired me to get one for myself. I was going... So, these shows are so big that what I do, typically, unless something catches my eye, I just focus on the Mopars, and I go Mopar to Mopar taking pictures, um, sometimes talking to owners. So... I was going Mopar to Mopar, checking out the cars and taking pictures when I saw a green and white tin grill that had the coolest concept I had ever seen on an old Dodge truck. What the owner did was he made it a tribute to Mr. Norm's Grand Spaulding Dodge. And what I mean by that is he lettered this truck up to look like an old shop truck with weathered-looking door logos and other patinaed, you know, weathered-look lettering on the tailgate, fenders, and bed. Uh another cool little detail was that he had the little Grand Spalding style cartoon ram on the front of the fenders. So if you didn't know any better when you saw this truck, you would think it was a legitimate truck from Grand Spalding Dodge. So it looked like if Mr. Norm had a shop truck or a parts truck, this is what he would drive or this is what the parts runner would drive. So for me being a big fan of Mr. Norm and his work I was absolutely blown away by this truck. It was so cool. I was just drooling over it, taking pictures and just thinking to myself, wow, what an awesome idea. And it was executed so well. The patina on the lettering and just the truck as a whole was done very well. And it remains one of my favorite trucks to this very day. Uh... I briefly spoke with the owner and expressed my love for this truck to him and told him what an amazing, you know, what an amazing build he accomplished. I actually thought it was a real Mr. Norm truck. Like looking at it, like you could have told me that that's really Grant Spalding's shop truck. I would have believed you. That's how good this was done. The owner of the truck, his name's Murray. Uh, he's from British Columbia, Canada. He came up with the concept and built the truck as a tribute. To Grand Spalding Dodge and Mister Norm, and let me just say that he absolutely nailed it. This truck was great. I would go as far as to say that I've never been so affected by any other truck in my life. Out of all the trucks I've seen that are really cool, this truck left the biggest impact on me. I I'm not just saying that for dramatic effect. Everything about the truck was awesome, and without getting into too much detail about it, because I'm actually friends with Murray now. And I plan on having him on a direct connections episode of this show. So I, what I will say is the truck was a beautiful two tone J three Citroen metallic green with white, tastefully lowered with a strong little three hundred and sixty V eight in it. It had twenty inch Foose wheels and had some really cool other touches like a custom front lip spoiler that was tucked nicely under the front bumper, which was actually custom. The front bumper was actually customized to house two round amber marker lights, which I thought was a really cool detail because it's you know, details like that, a lot of people would overlook, but if you really know these trucks, you go, oh, that that's pretty cool. I've never seen that done before, so that was pretty cool, and I, I was never really a expert on these trucks, so the little things that stood out to somebody who was fami- I was familiar with them, wasn't an expert, but there were certain little things about the truck that were just standing out, and at first, looking at it, I was like, there's something about this truck that's completely different, and the more you looked at it, the more little things you would see, so he... Also had a rear bumper, the the non-step chrome rear bumper from a Ram Charger, and it was nicely tucked into the bed, which you know is another cool little detail. the The details of the truck are just really cool. And Murray actually even had a custom dealer sticker made that was weathered to match the rest of the patina look on the truck. So on the on the tailgate, on the corner, the upper corner of the tailgate of this truck, it had a black and white Grand Spalding Dodge Chicago Illinois sticker. And it was perfectly weathered to look like it had been on this truck since the mid 70s. I thought it was so cool. The truck is a 1978 Dodge D100. And when I saw it originally, it actually had a 72 grill on it because, sorry, Murray, if this is a big secret, but good guys had a year cutoff. So, in order, Murray's truck's a 78. And at the time, they weren't letting cars that new into the show. So, he puts a 72 grill on it and voila, he's in. So, he snuck his way in and that's okay. That that show was better having that truck in it. So, you know, if good guys ever gets word of that, hey, good guys, relax, okay? They actually, they upped the year range. I'm sure it was because a lot of the GM guys, you know, the C10 guys and those G-body guys, they were probably crying and moaning about not being able to get their C10s in and their their little G-bodies in. So, now it's up to like 87. So, if you have anything pre-87, you can take it to that show. Anyways, let's get back to subject here. I've never seen another build quite like it. And I don't know if it's just because I'm a Mopar nostalgia guy or what, but the truck is just awesome. I'm actually, I'm going to post more pictures of this truck, but it's so cool. It deserves more views. So, be sure to check that out. I think I'm going to have to carve my own path and do my own thing with my truck, but I will say that it will remain one of my favorite trucks to this day. Murray has a great eye for design, and he actually does really killer design work. He did a rendering for me for my blue truck, which I, I'll also share a picture of that because it's just so cool. And custom renderings of your own vehicles are just really cool things to have um, to display at car shows or just to even have on your wall for display because, hey, that's your car. and it just it just looks awesome. I wish I had the talent that Murray and other designers have when they render cars, especially when they do it by hand and then digitize it, or even just by hand. That's just a talent that, unfortunately, I don't have, but I have the utmost respect for people that do. And Murray's very good at it. And he's had stuff featured in magazines. Um, I know I've seen a rendering of his on a very popular TV show. If you want renderings of your vehicles done or a really good render of your vehicle done, you can find Murray on Instagram and Facebook. And I'll put his social media links in the episode details for you so you can find him. But I'll tag him in the pictures of his truck and the rendering of my truck because I'm also going to post that. So I'll tag him in those and you can find him uh, that way as well. That may be easier. But Murray actually ended up selling that truck. And unfortunately, I had no idea it was for sale, or I probably would own it because I would have figured out a way to buy it. But the gentleman who has it now has changed a couple things, and to each their own. But now I have my own truck to turn into something really special, so I'm really excited about it. And seeing Murray's truck inspired me enough to tell myself that on that day, I realized that I would have a tin grill of my own someday come hell or high water, and that's exactly what happened. It just took nearly three years for me to find the right one. There were a couple more tin grills that I had seen in person and online that I drew inspiration from, but Murray's can take that Grand Spaulding tribute truck, that Mr. Norm's tribute truck can take sole credit for the inspiration to go find my own tin grill. The search was actually really tough because unlike other trucks, The production numbers. Okay, let's talk about the elephant in the room. Gosh, so that was recorded in December of 2019. And if I remember right, let me look at my phone here. Let's see here. Yeah, episode eight, December 30th, 2019. It was my 1976 Dodge D100 truck project, low par. That was the episode. And... Gosh, I at the time I recorded that I was recording in my wife's office downstairs. There was no sound treatment on the walls, so it was like super echoey, and there was so much reverb. But it was like the early stages of the podcast. That was episode eight, and you know there was actually some some errors in that episode, uh, some editing errors, and I also called the truck a d100 it's actually a d150 it's an adventure sport d150 um but uh i recall trying to buy it from murray i could be wrong but but regardless i did absolutely try to buy it the second time um that i was talking about when murray sold it to another guy who put the truck on white walls cut. The nice exhaust that Murray had built off and, um, you know, Murray got the truck with like 60 something thousand original miles. He says that it's probably original. Um, the truck has like 78,000 now. And just based on the overall condition of the truck, I would say that it's original and I have not, I haven't checked to see if it's matching numbers yet because I don't want to be disappointed, but it's something I have to do. Um... But yeah, that was that was episode eight. That was a clip from episode eight. And before I even started talking about my truck, I was just, you know, talking so much about Murray's, and, you know, I, I, my feelings still are the same. That truck is so amazing, you know, the Grand Spalding Dodge Tribute truck for Mister Norm, and, you know, it's it's really a special truck to me because it had such an impact on me, and. To finally get my chance to own it was like, you know, I may have my dream muscle cars, but when it comes to trucks, that was my dream truck. And now I have found it because the guy that Murray sold it to sold it. You know, we managed to track down the guy who bought it and he was willing to sell it to me. So we struck a deal. And did I overpay for the truck? You know, in most people's eyes, probably you know, and in my eyes, no, I did not. Because I was looking at it not only as the truck that I wanted more than any other tin grill on the planet, you know, you could show me the nicest Little Red Express and I I would love the truck, but it just would not be the same as this Mr. Norm's Grand Spalding Dodge Tribute Truck. I absolutely had to have it. And getting that opportunity, you know, is... Something that I'm so thankful that I reached out to try to find the truck before I struck deals on anything else, you know, as cool as Dustin's truck and van were or are. um, This Mr. Norm's truck for me is on a whole different level just because of how much it means to me. You know, as weird as it sounds, I have this weird sentimental attachment to it because it's the truck that really got me to go buy a tin grill of my own. and now. I was putting into motion the purchase of this truck. And uh, thinking about it now, it's just crazy to me. And the guy was going to paint it. It's like, what what are you doing? Don't paint it. And that's what makes it cool. That's what makes it special. If it didn't have the Mr. Norm's Grand Spalding Dodge lettering on it, I probably would not have cared as much. I probably wouldn't have cared as much. Period. That I mean, when I think about it, that's that's such that's just the truth, you know. And so we struck this deal, and I'm just sitting here thinking about it. And I'm stumbling over my words because I'm just so amazed at how everything happened. You know, if any one of the other deals, you know, with a a charger scat pack or any of the other, you know, the vans or any of the cars I looked at. Or you know the vehicles that I the Mopars that I put cards on, hoping or passed out cards or told that I, uh, the owners that I was interested in. If any of those had panned out, I probably, I mean, ninety nine percent wouldn't have tried to find the Mister Norm's truck or try to buy it. So I mean, everything you know, everything happens for a reason, I guess. You know, as crazy as that sounds, but you know, here was my opportunity. To save the truck from getting painted and preserve the amazing creation that my friend Murray had created. (laughs) And, you know, that opportunity, because I had talked to Murray about this truck and I even told him that I was interested in buying it and I was trying to strike a deal and he tried to talk me out of it. (laughs) You know, he said I was overpaying for the truck, it wasn't worth that, yada, yada, yada. And um, as, important as his opinion was to me there was just something about the truck and you know as far as the price goes yeah i paid a lot for it i don't even know if i should tell you how much i paid for it because it's kind of ridiculous but i'll tell you this it was more than ten thousand american and less than twenty thousand american um it was even less than twenty thousand canadian but uh it was definitely up there and gosh you know one way i justified it was okay I want the truck for one, but two, it's such an attention grabbing truck and it's very well known in the tin grill community. And I plan to make it well known in the Mopar community. And I don't know how many people, you know, really know about the truck. So I'm going to use the truck to my advantage. It's working for me now. You know, it's going to be the flagship vehicle of the Mopar Hunter and talking Mopars you know because i am a, if you, if you listen to the podcast you understand that i am a huge fan of the high performance heritage of mopar and mr norm and grandspalding dodge are like you know on the mount rushmore of mopar history of high performance mopar heritage and history so to have this truck is definitely a dream come true and i'm i may be the truck's biggest fan <laughs> you know what i mean i just Gosh, I, when I think back to that day that I saw it for the first time. And now when I open the door to my garage and I see it in there, it's like I've come full circle. So, and I know that a lot of you out there are like, it's <laughs> a truck with some lettering on it. I don't know. It just had an impact on me. And now it's mine. I own it now. But it wasn't without great effort and stress. Let me tell you a little bit about this you know, because I had to import it from Canada into the United States. So as I'm talking to Steve, the owner at the time, the previous owner, we're talking and, you know, we're working out this deal. And he goes, well, how are you going to get the truck across the border? You know, the border's closed. And I thought, oh, sh-. you know, I was like, oh, no, I didn't even think about that. <clears throat> COVID. Ah. I was so mad. But um, so I was like, let me get back to you on that. (laughs) Let me figure this out. So I was also text messaging my wife. Now you have to understand my wife. I love her to death. And she is so supportive of everything I do when it comes to Mopars, with the exception of buying (laughs) really expensive Mopars, because we just don't have those kind of funds. But finally, I have some cash and I could make this happen. You know, the price the guy told me you know, in my head, I'm already going to make it happen. I was just hoping that my wife was on board. So I told her what was going on. I said, you'll never believe this, you know, and I'm just, I'm paraphrasing here. I said, you're never going to believe what I found. And she's like, what? You know, (laughs) because I'm always finding something. So she's never surprised. But I send her a picture of the truck in its current state. And she was really excited. And she's like, basically, let's make this happen. Let's do it. What do we have to do? And I was just over the moon. (laughs) Like, wow, she's on board for this. I told her how much it was. I, You know, everything, it just all fell into place. And with her support, you know, it really, you know, helped me go, okay, this is it. You know, this is my shot. This is my dream Mopar right now. You know, as crazy as this sounds, and this is the absolute truth. There was, um, and I've talked about it before, the 1969 Dodge Charger Daytona that's local to me that was sitting in a yard for God knows how many years or sitting in a driveway for God knows how many years covered with a tarp. If you put this truck next to that for the same amount of money, I would have bought the truck. And I'm not just saying that. I would have just because it just means something to me. Um, I would have went back for the wing car. but (laughs) Anyways, so- I have my wife's full support. And, you know, I'm getting really excited, but I'm also really stressed out because I'm like, yeah, how am I going to get across the border? And it dawns on me, I actually have a business. Zero to sixty media LLC is my business. You know, and that's what the Mopar Hunter and Talking Mopars fall under. That's what I do business as. So I'm thinking to myself, what does it take to get across the border? I know that travel's out, you know, sightseeing and tourism is out, but Businesses that are essential should be able to get in. So I started coming up with a plan to get into Canada based on the purchase of a promotional vehicle for my podcast or my business. And I actually called <laughs> the border, basically, and um, whoever I could get a hold of that could help me out with my situation. And to sum up what they said, basically, I got transferred multiple times and then finally, when I told them what my plan was and what I was getting this vehicle for, etc., they basically told me, and I don't know how true this is, I don't even know if they really understood what I was doing, but they told me that it really just depends on what agent you get at the border. I had to go up there and explain to them what my essential business is in Canada. And they could very well just turn me around. I'd go up there with the trailer and they could say, ah, no, <laughs> that's not essential, buddy, get out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I. I try to think about this because I'm like, gosh, this could be, you know, a disaster. You know, and now I have my heart set on this thing. <laughs> you know what I mean? This truck that I've wanted for so long is in my crosshairs. You know, I'm up I'm about to bag it. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I realize that, okay, if I can't get in, I need somebody to be able to get into Canada and bring it to America after I purchased it, you know, with all the proper paperwork, which I really didn't even know what I was getting into. <laughs> um, And then it dawned on me, well, I could just have it towed. I could find a transport company, a tow company to tow the car from Steve's across the border because it would have to be a transport company that operates both in Canada and the United States. So my plan was to find a tow company that would do that. Now, a lot of the companies I called, they didn't operate in both countries, but there were a couple that did. And I asked them about the situation and how I could make this happen. And they told me I needed a broker. And I had no idea, you know, I've never imported a car before. I'm an idiot when it comes to that. So they explained to me what a broker does, yada, yada, yada. And so now I'm going, okay, transport company is 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 locked in. You know, I've, I went through a couple of them, but I found one that sounded good and had a decent price. It was less than a thousand dollars to get the truck and bring it across the border. Um, which, you know, I say less than a thousand dollars like it's no big deal. That's a lot of money for the short trip that it was going to take from Chilliwack, BC into Sumas, Washington, at the border. And then I needed to find storage because I didn't know. You know, I can't just have the uh, expect the tow company to wait for me to get there. You know, so I needed to find storage at the border. So I found a company in the United States in Sumas that it was a tow company, another tow company that could hold the truck for me for basically 10 bucks. I was like, what? 10 bucks? That's nothing. So I was like, okay, yeah, I'll pay you 10 bucks. So the plan at that point was tow company in Canada picks up the truck and the associated paperwork, you know, the bill of sale, et cetera. And brings it to America where it ends up at another storage or a, at another tow yard storage. And then I go get the truck. And then I have to figure out title and registration. But I had already called, yeah, I made like 10 phone calls that morning. <laughs> um, but I had called the licensing office that I know of. And they told me it's pretty easy as long as I have a bill of sale and it's legit, then I should have no problems. You know, I'll still have to pay the taxes and whatnot on it but I should have no problem um, getting it titled, licensed, and registered. So that was good, but now I needed to find a broker. So I ended up reaching out to a broker and, you know, everything just sounded easy at first, you know, the way they presented it, you know, it's going to be, you know, six or seven hundred dollars there's going to be a lot of paperwork involved, but we can get your, we can get your truck across the border. But they, they were asking me some questions where I was like, gosh, have you guys ever even <laughs> done a classic vehicle before? So not realizing that I probably should have shopped around for a broker. I just, I was just so excited to get the truck that I just wanted to get the ball rolling. Cause I didn't know if this guy was going to change his mind. So especially since I hadn't given him any money yet. And that was another thing, even if I could cross the border, if I went across the border with the amount of money I was paying for this truck, I would have to declare it at the border. You can't just cross the border with a bunch of cash. <laughs> you know what I mean? So there was that issue. Um, and it was basically, you know, the only other option was to wire him the money. This guy I've never met, <laughs> wire him this crazy amount of money and hope <laughs> that he's legit. You know what I mean? Cause I mean, he ended up being a good guy, but you know, when you're buying a car in a different country, you don't know. So I was taking a risk here to have this truck that I've wanted for nearly six years. Uh, Over half of a decade, I've been after this truck. And now I have my opportunity and it seems like there's a lot of roadblocks. But I'm talking to this broker, we get the ball rolling and I decided, okay, I'm going to wire him the money. I'm going to get this broker involved. I already have the transport company. Once I get all the paperwork sorted with the broker, they're going to be like the 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 organizer. But I have to get the other, you know, I have to get the transport and the storage lined up. And then the broker handles basically the border crossing. So I open an account and they start sending me these documents to sign and fill out. And I wasn't sure what to expect. <laughs> and I start getting all these documents from... The EPA, the Environmental Protection Agency. I get customs paperwork. I get Homeland Security paperwork. And I'm just like, and the the questions that they're asking, I'm like, it's just a truck. Why am I answering all these crazy questions? And I am stressing out because there's so much paperwork involved. And I'm like, I can't believe this is this difficult because I know people are importing cars all the time, you know, and exporting cars all the time. It cannot be this hard. Right. But I'm like, I want the truck so bad. I'll do whatever it takes. So I'm sitting here filling out all this paperwork and they're like, fill it out as best you can. And I'm like, I'm filling out <laughs> and on this paperwork. I'm filling out like two or three boxes. And the rest is like, I don't know what I'm supposed to put in this, <laughs> you know? So I'm just stressing out, you know, there's a mountain of paperwork in front of me and, you know, towards the end, we're in the 11th hour of getting this all figured out. And my agent at this broker tells me that I need to find a way to prove that this truck was manufactured in the United States. And I'm like, it's a 78 Dodge. Of course, <laughs> you know? So I was like, it was assembled at the Warren, Michigan assembly plant. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm thinking to myself, don't you know anything about Mopars? You know, this is a Mopar guy, <laughs> you know, that uh, me, I'm the Mopar guy. And I'm like, yeah, it, it'll tell you what, <laughs> what plant it was built at, you know what I mean? What city and everything, just by the the letter in the VIN, you know? And he had all that. I sent him the VIN and all that stuff. And because I had to have Steve take a bunch of pictures of the truck so that I could show them the engine and that it wasn't like a, a newer engine in an older truck because it, like say, say this truck had a modern Hemi in it. It would have to meet all the requirements as far as the EPA and stuff of the year of the engine. So if it was like, say a 2015 Hemi, it would have to meet all the emissions regulations and stuff like that for 2015. So I had to prove that it was the, basically we'll just say the original engine. I had to send him multiple pictures of the VIN and he didn't know how to decode it, which I guess I shouldn't have expected him to, but. You're telling me to prove that it was made in the United States? Look, it, sa- it says made in the USA. <laughs> you know, what else do you want from me? So I gave him, being the Mopar guy, I ran it through a VIN decoder and was able to prove that this letter indicated that it was built and manufactured in Warren, Michigan. And he was happy with that paperwork, but I just still was, I was just, I was tripping. <laughs> Let me be honest. Because then he tells me, you know, if any of the paperwork is wrong or something isn't correct or, you know, uh, various different possibilities could potentially get me denied entry or get the truck denied entry into the United States. And if that happened, I would still be stuck paying the duty tax. So red flags are just popping up all over the place. And I'm like, this is, this is not right. We're in the 11th hour now. And I'm like, hold on. So there's a chance I could pay you all this money, organize all this stuff. The truck gets to the border and they say, A, we don't like your paperwork. B, you know, you can't prove anything about this truck. C, oh, it's been lightly modified, so we can't let it into the country. You know, there's so many different variables and I'm just tripping. So 11th hour, I I am just stressed beyond all recognition because I still have not bought this truck yet. I still haven't paid the guy and he's already filled out the bill of sale and everything. So now I'm now I'm like, okay, this is happening, but is it really happening? You know what I mean? So 11th hour, I start looking for a new broker and I'm like, why the hell didn't I just go find a registered importer of vehicles? Someone that specializes in vehicles. I don't know what I was thinking. So, and part of it was just you know, somebody suggested the first broker and, you know, upon my first impression, it seemed like they knew what they were doing, but I guess I was wrong. (laughs) You know, these are the same people that will import animals and food, you know, carpet, (laughs) you know, whatever. So I I shouldn't have expected them to know exactly what was happening as far as importing a vehicle. But, you know, if you're importing stuff, if you're a broker, you should know, you know, all this stuff. So I end up finding a registered vehicle importer and that turned out to be (laughs) the savior of this whole process because i called him the guy says hey man the company you're going through you know i fixed a lot of their errors in the past don't go through them they're basically you know a one-stop shop for everything you could possibly import. So that's why you're filling out a mountain of paperwork. So I'm asking him all these questions because I don't want to have to go through this process again and end up having another mountain of paperwork. He tells me I pay him and there's like not even, not even a handful of documents I need to sign. I think I signed two documents and gave him my license (laughs) and that was it compared to the mountain of paperwork from customs, EPA, homeland security, et cetera, et cetera, from the other broker. So I find this guy and I'm just like, I'm so excited now. Cause I'm like, that's it. You're sure you can get it across the board. He goes, send me a picture of the engine just to make sure everything's okay. Because again, you know, if it had a newer engine, we'd have to meet the mission requirements for that year and blah, blah, blah. So I send him the picture. He says, yeah, everything's good. And this is on a Wednesday. And Because the previous Friday is when I talked to Steve about the truck and we worked the deal. And then that day I started looking for a broker, found the broker. So now it was Wednesday when I called this new broker and canceled the old one. You know, I canceled my account and hired this new broker. And he, you know, this was on Wednesday. And he said, look, I'm busy tomorrow, but Friday looks good. I'll get a hold of you Friday morning. And I'm like, that's it? What what else do you need? And he goes, you know, send me some pictures of the, you know, the truck and of the VIN. And I'm like, okay. So I send him all that. And I'm like, so so we're good. This looks good. And he's like, yeah, it's fine. You know, he's like, he's been around the block a few times. He imports thousands of vehicles. So, and I'm just paranoid at this point. Cause I told him, you know, this other company told me that there was a chance I could get denied. And he's like, Hey, I've got it under control. <laughs> Basically is what he said to me. So, New broker found, hired, old broker fired. That was set up on Wednesday. And I actually was able to, okay. So <laughs> let me back up a little bit. On Friday, he said he'd call me Friday morning, right? And it, I'm watching the clock, of course, all morning. I don't want to be the guy to call him at 7 a.m. Have you got the truck yet? You know what I mean? So I'm like, he said the morning. So I'm going to, I'm at work. So I'm just doing my job and I can't stop thinking about it. And I'm like, I'm watching the clock like a hawk. And I'm like, Okay, it's ten o'clock. I haven't heard from him. Yeah, ten thirty. Okay, still haven't heard from him. Eleven thirty. I'm like, okay, still haven't heard from him. <laughs> you know, and then I'm like, eleven forty-five. Hey, man, what's going on here? You know, and I'm I'm thinking, God, I should reach out. And then I'm like, no, he said he would call. Eleven fifty-nine. I'm looking at that phone and I'm like, listen, you son of a, you better. <laughs> you know, I'm starting to get worried. I'm like, what's happening here? And so I reach out to Steve. And I'm like, have you heard from the transport company at all? He doesn't answer. So I call the broker that I hired. He doesn't answer either. So I'm like, oh my God, what is going on? And eventually I texted him. And then (laughs) he sends me a message like, God, it had to have been another 45 minutes later. And he's like loading up now. And I'm like, oh my God. And then almost as if they were talking about me, Steve messages me and returns my message. And I say, Hey man, can you just take pictures of the truck on the transport for me? Just so, you know, to ease my mind, (laughs) you know, and he sure did. He sent me pictures of the truck getting loaded up. And, uh, you know, I, (laughs) I looked at the pictures and I, I'd seen pictures obviously since the Friday when I struck the deal in the first place and the truck had the white walls on it and. If my opinion, white walls were not for that truck. You know, when I saw it the first time, Murray had 20 inch foos wheels on it. And even that's really not my style. You know, when I saw this truck, I, in my head, I was like, this thing would be bitching on Craggers. <laughs> you know, that's, that's what I wanted to put on it. So it's funny because in the beginning of the week, when I had already, cause on Tuesday, I wired the money, I wired the thousands of dollars to Steve and they hit his account, which that was a whole nother ordeal because I've never wired money internationally, and the bank told me, you know, it could be a couple of days, it could be a couple of weeks, it could be longer, and I'm like, what? <laughs> so, the further I get into this process, the further the truck looks. <laughs> I'm like, it looks further away from me now than ever. But on that Tuesday, I ordered Kregers for it, and. On that same Tuesday, I got a message from the company saying, hey, sorry, um, the shipping date's not right. It's going to, these wheels are back ordered because I wanted direct drilled 15 by 10s and 15 by eights and five on four and a half (laughs) in Kregers. And so I'm like, okay, well, cancel my order then and refund me the money. And they're like, yeah, it takes a couple of days to process. And I'm like, son of a, you know? So I'm like, okay, whatever. Because I have the extra money. So I'm like, I ordered them from a different company. And I got another message. Hey, sorry, back ordered. And I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. (laughs) You know what I mean? So I order a third set of Kregers with two already getting refunded. And even the third company said, hey, we ordered directly from Kräger, and they're out. You know, you're not going to get your shipment until probably May. And I'm like, May? I was like, this thing has white walls on it. We need to get these off now. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I ended up jumping on eBay, seeing if anybody had some Kregers. I looked at local listings, see if anybody had some Kregers and it was all Unilug BS. And I don't want Unilugs. I want direct drilled. So I was on eBay and I, my second choice for wheels, because when Murray had the truck, it had 20 inch Foose wheels, but the centers were like gray. And I thought that the color was good, a good combination with the white and green. And because the truck is uh, white and green two-tone. So it's got the the white middle and then the green top and green bottom. And uh, it's a beautiful green. It's um, actually my new favorite green. I know that sounds cliche because I was such an F8 guy. But F8 is now a second place green because after looking at RJ3, which is the paint code for this thing, it's j J3 citron metallic or citron uh, citron green metallic and it is an amazing color especially in the sun it looks awesome it's kind of a light green and it just looks awesome but um it just didn't look right with the white walls and that's just my opinion so i go on ebay i'm looking for wheels and i was just looking up staggered 15 inch wheels because i wanted it to have a little bit of a rake and i found um my second choice, which was American Racing Torque Thrust D's with the the gray center, um, to give it kind of that old school vibe, and I found a set, but they're like you know five hundred bucks, and I was like, okay, uh, gosh, I might as well just wait for the Craggers. As much as that bummed me out, I was even considering getting um, police wheels with the police poverty caps <laughs> and just painting the wheels white um, temporarily. But uh, as it turns out, Um, My second choice came through and the eBay seller that had the wheels I was looking at. um, Apparently, this happens a lot on eBay and I'm not very versed in eBay, but apparently they will send you um, a discount basically and say, hey, we we saw that you looked at our stuff. Here's a a special discount for you if you want to change your mind and actually buy the wheels. So I got them for 450 bucks shipped and that was for 15 by eights and 15 by sevens. A little smaller than I had wanted but that was okay. I thought, you know, I'll just get the, I mean it's 450 bucks. You know, I'll get Kregers later. So, I order up my white letter BFGTAs and these wheels. And I got the tires really quick, right? And the and this all happened before Friday. This was like on Tuesday that I ordered all this stuff. So, I get the wheels on or I get the tires, sorry. I get the tires on Thursday and Um, Friday comes along and I'm like, God, I hope I get these wheels. Like, God, I need these wheels because I wanted to go have the tires and wheels mounted and balanced, take them up to the border to Linden, Washington, where the storage place was for the truck. And I wanted to put it on new wheels and tires before I even loaded it up on the trailer. That's how much I hated the white walls. And I wanted it to, you know, I wanted to immediately change the truck and make it you know, closer to mine, because in my head, I was still, I was buying somebody else's project, basically, you know, somebody else put the white walls on it, somebody else did the exhaust, and, you know, I just, you know, I thought wheels and tires would help me personalize the truck a little bit before I even brought it, and I really wasn't telling anybody except for a few people about the truck and what the deal was, and, um... So I get the picture of the truck getting loaded up and I'm bouncing all over the place. I'm sorry. I'm just still thinking about this because it really was just like the past few weeks have been a whirlwind for me because I still can't believe I have this truck now. But uh, they tell me that everything's good and that they're bringing it to the border and it'll be in the United States later that night. And I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, there's no way I'm going to make it to the border in time before this guy closes. And I'm not expecting him to stay open till six or seven o'clock at night for me to go get the truck. Cause I still have to go get a trailer. Um, shout out to my buddy, Chad for letting me borrow his trailer, uh, and all that stuff. So I get off work on Friday and I still haven't heard from this guy. And I texted him and I said, Hey man, just wanted to check in make sure everything was good. He didn't answer. So I called. I didn't even waste any time I called. And, uh, said, Hey man, just wondering if everything's good. And he's like, yep, truck is safe and sound in my, in my shop locked up. And he sent me a picture and I was like, what happened, man? Why did it take so long? And, uh, he told me that he actually got stopped at the border, not for anything bad, but the border agents were just checking out the truck for so long because they thought it was cool. So I thought that was pretty neat, but sends me a picture of it locked up in storage in the United States. And I couldn't have been happier. So I plan a solo Mopar mission to go pick up the truck Saturday morning. So Friday night I go load up the trailer and my friend from work, Kevin, shout out to Kevin, um, hit me up and he's like, Hey man, uh, if you want somebody to go with you, I'll go with you. And I had already had it in my mind. I'm, I'm doing this solo. You know, I don't know why, but I just felt like, uh, I don't know. I felt like being a lone ranger or something. I don't know. So I was like, no man, you know, a couple of people have asked already. Cause my dad asked and, um, I denied that just because I just wanted to do it by myself, And I told my wife, I was like, ah, my buddy from work wants to go. And he's been wanting to help me out with my projects for a while. And we've been meaning to hang out and work on cars and stuff, but it just never got around to it. And my wife's like, don't be a jerk. Let him come with you. You know, you want the company. Come on. And I was like, you know, you're right. <laughs> so I had him come with me and it turned out to be great. I couldn't, I couldn't be happier that I said yes. And had Kevin come along because he took some great pictures. He took video of me getting in the truck and starting it for the first time. He took video of me driving it for the first time. And, you know, we had a great time. It was really fun because he's worked in that area before. And he was telling me about all these cars and stuff in barns and in that area. And I didn't realize it was a hotbed for old cars. And even so Dodge RVs up in Linden, Washington are all over the place. You know, vintage Dodge RVs. Um, It was the most I'd ever seen just sitting (laughs) in fields and stuff. It was crazy. But uh, he came with me. We loaded it up and not even five minutes on the road, people are giving me thumbs up, waving and, you know, just jocking the truck, taking pictures and video. I'm like, geez, what did I buy? (laughs) You know what I mean? And Steve had told me, you know, hey, if you drive this truck, you know, you're going to be the man because everybody stops me to talk about this truck. And I believe them now because after having it for a few weeks or a couple weeks, man, people love this truck. And of course I love it. So I understand, but it's just, it's so crazy to see so many people just looking at the truck and smile, like it brings a smile to people's faces unless they're haters, but I haven't seen any of those yet. (laughs) But, uh, so February 20th, I picked up the Mr. Norm's grand Spalding Dodge shop truck tribute. And I don't know if you guys can hear that train in the background. That's the train. I live by train tracks. Um, But uh, I got my money back on the craggers, And finally on Sunday, you know, I picked up the truck on Saturday, got it home. And on Sunday, my wheels showed up. So I had them mounted and balanced. And I was going to have them installed. So I threw them in the back of the truck. And I went to the only tire store open on a Sunday. And I get there and they say, oh, it's going to be a long time. You know, we want to take our time with your truck because it's old and we don't really get too much old stuff. So I'm like, okay, so what do you want to do? And they're like, oh, just leave the wheels and tires. That way we can take our time and get everything done correctly and without damaging anything. And you can come back later with the truck. So I was like, all right, cool. But on the way to the tire store, you know, I'm getting kind of crazy in this truck because it's my first time actually driving it on the road you know, with it being mine, driving it on public streets. And, you know, I was, I was having a good time, you know, <laughs> I was, you know, getting on it and stuff and have, having fun. And halfway to the tire store, I go, holy sh- I have no f- plates on this thing. I didn't even put the plates on it. I didn't have insurance and I didn't have plates on this damn truck. And I'm driving it around like a jerk. So I'm like, okay, got- so I get to the tire store. I'm like, okay, perfect. I will go- And you guys take care of the wheels and tires. I'll come back later. I'll go get some plates on this thing. And then uh, I'll have you guys install the wheels and tires. So I go get the plates or whatever. I wait for a few hours I get a call and it's time to go get the wheels put on the truck. So I take the truck over to the place this time with plates. (laughs) So I'm not riding as dirty, still don't have insurance yet, but I get there to the tire store and they can't get the truck on the lift because it's too low because of the front lip spoiler. Cause this thing has a really cool, uh, lip spoiler on the front from a van that Murray trimmed up to fit the truck. And it's awesome. It looks great, but it's been ripped off in the past because it's so low in the front. And you know, they, it, it would have probably gotten ripped off if I had tried to drive it on that lift, because first of all, these kids weren't driving my truck. <laughs> I'll tell you that right now. So When we realized it wasn't going to fit on the lift, they're like, all right, that's all right. We'll just do one end at a time. We'll start with the fronts. So they pull the front driver wheel and tire off. So I'm like, sweet, thank God. There goes the first white wall. Get the hell out of my life. (laughs) And they go to take the second one off and they cannot get the damn wheel and tire off of the truck. And they try the typical tricks. Now, keep in mind, my first job at 16 years old was at a tire store, busting Tires. So I'm watching these kids and I'm like, okay, guys, come on. And uh, kids kicking it. Thing is not budging, it's fighting them. And I'm like, okay, is he kicking it like a pussy or what? <laughs> you know, so I'm like, hey, let me try. I beat the living hell out of that thing. And I know from experience that there's only a couple ways that we used to get these wheels off. And one of them was just beating it from the backside. You know, you try kicking it, sometimes it comes off. If not, You can beat it from the other side and usually it'll break loose. Um, The other way is to put the lug nuts back on, back them off a thread or two, and then drive the car gingerly around the parking lot and then roll in and hopefully that will break the hub. Not like break literally, but like break the wheel off the hub so you can pull it off. And uh, they didn't want to do that because they were afraid of the liability if they broke the studs. And I was like, look, you guys aren't going to be driving it. I'm going to be driving it. And I'm giving you permission to do this. And I almost said, just let me take the truck. Give me, let me take the truck around the parking lot with the lug nuts loose and then I'll pull it in. That way, you guys aren't liable. You know, let me do it myself. And they wouldn't let me do it. So in my head, I'm like, can we just get some wood on the ground so that I can roll up onto the wood and then get this thing on the lift? And then when we lift it up, we can beat it from the backside. They weren't having it their manager even said, no, we're not doing that. (laughs) So I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. So the only thing in my head I could think of that would even possibly work would be torching the hub and hopefully getting heat in there to separate the wheel and tire. So, or to separate the wheel from the hub. So after a disappointing tire store misadventure, I went home and I I started putting the wheels and tires on. I actually did a live episode of, actually I just did a live stream video on the Mopar Hunter page. So you can actually go while I'm putting the wheels and tires on. I actually forgot about the two inch spacers in the back. And one of the listeners or one of the guys watching my live stream was like, hey, take the spacers off. Because when I put the wheel on, I was like, oh my God. There's like no space. And I was like, it's a 15 by eight. What's going on here? And he's like, hey, take the spacer off. And I stupid me. I completely forgot there was a spacer. I was looking right at it. (laughs) You know, stupid me. So take the spacers off. Everything's fine. I get the two rear tires and wheels on and I get the driver's side on. And now I'm like, okay, passenger side. So I get over there and I'm like, let me just, and uh, keep in mind, we soaked the thing in PB Blast. And when I got home, I soaked it again. Hopefully, you know, the time it would take between getting back from the tire store and all that, yada, 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 hopefully it would break loose. And I actually also, before I even pulled it into the other side of my garage where I had more space to do the wheel swap, I actually did loosen it. I backed off a couple of threads on the lug nuts and gingerly drove around my neighborhood, pulled it in and still, once I started working on that passenger side, it was still not breaking loose. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. I was beating the hell out of it. (laughs) And uh, I was like, God, if I had a torch, if I had a torch, and then it dawned on me that when I was doing the wiring job on my truck, on my old truck, I had a crack torch, you know, one of those friggin' butane torches that you can get from like a convenience store that crackheads use. I had one of those because I was using it to shrink. the shrink tubing on the wiring. And I was like, this is a long shot, but, uh, I'm going to go ahead and hit that hub with some heat, (laughs) even though it's just this little crack torch, I'm going to try it. So, and then here's another stupid thing. I fire the thing up and I'm like, whoa, I've got this thing soaked in PB blast. But as it turns out, PB blast is not flammable because I said, you know what? Screw it. If it catches fire, it'll just be easier to break loose. So I sit there and I torch it with a stupid little lighter for about three minutes and one good kick and that thing popped loose. So end of that story is that I got the wheels and tires on, on Sunday night in time to drive it to work on Monday morning. And that was a big win for me because I wanted that thing done so bad. And I wanted those, those white walls, those hideous white walls off the truck so bad. And to have the Mopar mission complete on Sunday night was awesome. I think I went to bed at like midnight because I finished doing the wheels and tires and whatnot at 11 o'clock, but I didn't actually get in bed till midnight because I was so busy looking at the thing because I just loved it. And it was exactly how I pictured it in my head um, when the Kregers were were off the table. I could envision the American Racing Torque Thrust Ds on this thing, and it just – it it was perfect. It was exactly what I imagined, and I couldn't have asked for something better. So everything happens for a reason, I guess. You know, I think the truck was just—it was its way of saying, "Hey, you know what? Don't be a bitch. Take me home and do the wheel swap yourself." <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's what I did, and drove it to work on Monday and loved every second. It was my favorite commute of all time, <laughs> because I, I, you know, and the whole time, I every every time I drive this truck. I still can't believe it's mine and I couldn't be more happy. You know, um, my first impressions are I love the truck. It's just enough of a project to keep me busy, but not too big of a project to keep me or to 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 overwhelm me. You know, it runs and drives. It even does 80 on the freeway. Great. I just took it the other day on its first real freeway run. Um, it does need the car tuned. It has an Edelbrock AVS2 on it and i don't know i feel like there it's leaving something on the table i just don't feel like it's running at its optimum and i also noticed because i wanted to check when i had it in the air i could have checked to see if it had a sure grip but i wanted to check the fun way so i go down the street and i drop in first gear and i hammer it um and it falls on its face so i'm like oh god so i pop it in second it stays alive and then i drop it back down into first and I kind of, I, I start to try to power break it and I just hit it and the thing would not, it, it fell on its face. So the carb needs to be tuned. No big deal. We can do that. Um, it, it, the truck really wakes up in second gear above 2000 RPMs. Once you, once you start playing in that 2000 RPM range and you hammer it, it moves. It likes to get up and move. But something that I noticed that is a little bit sketchy is, um, When you get on the throttle really hard, and then you let off, the truck kind of shimmies or pulls to the left. So I got to look at that. I'm going to look at the suspension, make sure everything's tight. And I'm probably going to redo the front. Um, It's got cut coils or a cut coil. And I want to put new upper and lower control arms on it. I know if you use the lower control arms off of a 70s era van, the pocket Is actually two inches deeper so you can get a drop that way um but uh i'm looking into that and i'm just trying to you know work the kinks out of the truck see what i need to fix on it the steering is a little sloppy so i'm going to get a new steering box for it um so the suspension needs to be looked at i'm probably just going to change all the bushings on it just to be safe and uh it also needs a gas pedal (laughs) it does not have so these old dodge trucks there are these two ball studs coming up off the floor pan that these gas pedals just kind of, you know, pop onto. And this one doesn't have those. So I ordered some ball studs and I need to figure out a little mount situation. And then uh, I can get the gas pedal on because I have a nice gas pedal with the chrome bezel. Um, So that'll be cool. But it's just funny how many people Oh, and by the way, back to the sure grip. Yeah, it's one wheel peel. So we need to get a sure grip in this thing. I'm probably going to change the gearing. It's got three twenty threes in it right now. Um, I don't know. I was thinking 391s or something, but um, definitely needs a sure grip. I just love driving this thing because so many people, you know, it brings a smile to people's face and it brings a smile to my face. I can't drive this thing without smiling. But um, and here I am still selling parts that I have left over from my other projects that I sold, to make some extra money to invest more into this truck um i'd like to get it clear coated so that uh, i can preserve the lettering um i'm actually going to walk around the truck and take detailed pictures of all the lettering in case knock on wood hopefully nothing crazy happens but i want to be able to replicate the uh, design that murray created and i'm also thinking possibly efi but uh definitely a hemi eventually i still have the hemi from the low power truck Uh, it's a five, seven, it's out of an Oh six charger, which I know isn't the best Hemi that you can get, but it's also not the worst. Um, but it's a good place to start. So I'm thinking EFI, get the Hemi in there, put a old school style four barrel intake manifold and aluminum manifold on it and drop EFI on top so that it still has, I can still run the old school air cleaners. Um, because I have a coyote duster air cleaner off of a Roadrunner that would look killer on that thing. So, um, aside from the wheels, one of the first things I did was my uncle Jim gave me a sweet air cleaner off of a 70 challenger 340 car that he took the X heads off of. So I took the little mini Edelbrock air cleaner that looked like garbage. I took that thing off of the truck and I put this 340 air cleaner on top of the 360. Um, it just looks better. And, uh, I'm happy with it, but I really need to check to see if this thing's matching numbers. I don't want to be disappointed. That's why I've waited, but uh, I think it's time to get underneath it um, or just look at it <coughs> and uh, see what that block says. See if, see if the numbers are correct, but um, you know, recently, you know, this is Mopar Monday and on Saturday, I got news that on Friday, Mr. Norm had passed away and you know i i was looked up to mr norm like i said he's on my mount rushmore of mopar and i have this truck this tribute truck for mr norm's and grand Spalding dodge and i find out on saturday that he passed away on the friday and i was devastated you know i just uh i had plans with this truck I wanted to get to an event that Mr. Norm was at and hopefully get him to check out the truck, maybe take a picture or two with it and sign the truck. I wanted him to sign the truck, the glove box, you know, maybe under the hood, (laughs) you know, I wanted to get Mr. Norm's seal of approval. And when I found out that he died, I realized that that was not going to happen and You know, I've tried to get Mr. Norm on this podcast twice, and both both times he turned me down. Um, He's a busy guy, I get it, but uh, I didn't have the nerve to tell him, "Hey, man, this is this is huge for the Mopar community." You know, this is basically the only Mopar podcast. When I reached out to him, it was the only Mopar podcast, um, and I thought that it was really important to get him on the show, um, especially for history's sake you know, I hope in 20, 30, 40 years, people still listen to this podcast and go, man, that was crazy. It was like one of the only Mopar podcasts, if not the only Mopar podcast that really made an impact. And I thought that having Mr. Norm on the show would have just, that would have been a highlight of this podcast. But, uh, I did have a couple episodes when I found out that, or when he told me that he, you know, was too busy to do it. Um, I said, that's all right. I'll still, uh, I'll still find a way to get you onto the show. So I've had a couple episodes where I talked about Mr. Norm. And, you know, I'm probably going to replay him uh, just in tribute. And I'm also, you know, I'm just proud to honor Mr. Norm and what he's accomplished and what he's done for our community with this truck. You know, it's a tribute to him and his dealership. So I'm really proud to have this truck and be able to preserve it, even though it's not a real Mr. Norm's Grand Spaulding Dodge shop truck. You know, if if he had a shop truck, it'd probably look just like this, you know, in the 70s anyway. But um, I do plan to honor Mr. Norm with a special episode, hopefully hearing from people who have had experiences or chats with him, or even people that just want to say some kind words about Mr. Norm. Um, I think that's really important. And I feel like... It would be cool you know it would be to hear from the mopar community would be a great way to send him off you know what i mean because he'll never be forgotten mr norm is a, a figurehead in mopar performance <laughs> and the high performance heritage of mopars you can't talk about the history of mopar especially during the muscle car era without talking about mr norm you know if it wasn't for him there may not have ever been a big block dart <laughs> and you know, I probably, I think I talked about this on a, a previous episode, but I actually reached out to Mr. Norm, you know, to get him on the podcast. But, uh, when he denied me, I was like, well, can I ask you a couple of questions just to kind of, you know, maybe play him on the podcast or whatever. And this was all through a uh, Facebook messenger. So it would have been m- me relaying his answers to the questions. And one of the questions I asked him was if you could go back and instead of the 383 in the Dart, would you have instead opted for the Hemi to say that you were the first person to put a Hemi in the Dart? And then in 68, when Chrysler did the Superstock Dart, you would have been able to say, hey, I did that first. And he shot me down real quick. <laughs> he was like, no, the, uh, that's like comparing apples to oranges. The 383 was the perfect engine for that car. And I respected, I respected his opinion and it probably was, you know, so I don't know. I'm still kind of, I'm still reeling from it. I can't believe he's gone and I can't believe, you know, I'm such a, a big fan of Mopar history that it really just kills me knowing that I'm not going to get my chance to at least thank him for what he's done for the Mopar community. You know, I know that sounds a little ch- uh, cheesy, I guess, but, uh, I really wanted to shake the man's hand you know cuz i do look up to him and i do appreciate what he's done and you know if there's one person you know in the history of mopar you know even tom hoover you know the godfather of the hemi um you know jack smith with the roadrunner those guys are awesome i would i would have loved to get a chance to talk to them but uh mr norm there's something about mr norm that i just I really wanted to talk to that guy and just get an idea of what it was like, you know, being Mr. Norm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Grand Spalding Dodge, the best high-performance Dodge dealer on planet Earth. You know, and if if somebody said, "Hey, what's a Mopar dream of yours that is unlikely to ever happen but you would love?" I would say to bring back Grand Spalding Dodge and turn it into a dealership of strictly Mopar muscle cars and specialty Mopar cars. Um, I think that would be awesome, uh, at the old site. I don't know what the old site looks like now. I would like to visit it someday, um, in the truck. And, uh, yeah, I think that that's a goal taking the truck to Chicago and getting a picture on the corner of Grand and Spalding. That would be amazing. We are going to have a special episode of Talking Mopars um, to honor Mr. Norm. And rest in peace, Mr. Norm. And through the Mopar community, Grand Spalding will be forever. I'd like to take a minute to dedicate this episode and all the other Mr. Norm and Grand Spalding episodes to mr norm thank you very much mr norm for what you did for the mopar community and we will never forget you there you have it my friends another episode of talking mopars is in the books for everything you need to know about the show please visit talkingmopars.com thank you all for joining me on this three episode catch up hopefully now it makes as much sense to you why I got rid of my Mopar projects as it does to me because it all makes sense to me now. At first, I was wondering what the hell I was thinking, but now looking back and looking in my garage, I understand that everything happened the way it was supposed to, and now I have possession of the Mr. Norm's Grand Spalding Dodge Tribute Truck. I am so proud of it, and I will continue to help spread the word about Mr. Norm and his amazing impact on the high performance heritage of Mopar. Rest in peace, Mr. Norm. I am your host, Chris Albrecht, and that was Talking Mopars. Thank you for listening to Talking Mopars, your direct connection to all things Mopar. Until next time, remember, no Mopar left behind.